Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Sell by Being Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith. And this is the podcast where we learn from people in all walks of life that sell things through the lens of human connection. I think we can learn human skills from people all around us. This is the place where I'll bring the very best of those people together. And uh, today we just have someone who I've known uh, for for years. And I I think if there was a gold medal for super connecting, (laughs) this this person would be the Michael Phelps of the award. This is a founder, CEO of uh, an awesome search firm and placement firm called uh, Something New. Um, He's also a founder of a a community that I, you know, I'm I'm a part of uh, many communities, but only a few that I'm super active in. And this is one of them. It's called the Outlier Project. And the people, you're going to find out the people that he brings together on uh, monthly calls, even weekly calls are some of the most accomplished people in the business uh, world and sports world and music world, just amazing people that he knows. Uh, this is somebody who you know has had a lot of adversity in his life um, and has, has done some amazing things. And I can't wait for him to teach us all about you know how he's gotten to where he's gotten and how he's helped just create the relationships that he has in his life. Please Welcome, none other than Scott McGregor to the podcast. Welcome, Scott. I love the enthusiasm, Alex. Thank you, my friend. Uh, It is an honor to be here. So thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah. Scott, you know, I was always like looking at you and and thinking like the title of this podcast uh, just really represents a lot of what you do and the, your business, the community, and, and everything. So I think I'm, I'm just really excited uh, about this. So thank you for for making this happen today. You know, I'm, I'm I, I was talk, thinking a little bit about like just kind of opening up with you about where to go, and I always like to ask people at the beginning um, because I think like you really define kind of what this podcast is all about. So I, I ask people, everyone, a signature question, and it's about you know kind of what you really how you really show up and, and what you really think about. So when when I say the term to you, Scott, when I say the term sell something and sell it by being human, what is the first thing that comes to mind to you and, and how would you define that for yourself and what you do today? Yeah, I've always thought of sales in very simplistic terms. And I've been in sales my entire career, you know, started as an individual contributor and then very quickly went into a leadership role, which turned into a chief revenue officer. Um, So I've been selling for a long time, but I've always seen it as very simplistic. It's sales is just about alignment. It's around figuring out whether your solution uh, fits the problem that somebody has. If it does, you probably have a sale. And if it doesn't, then you shouldn't try to, you know, put that square peg in a round hole. So I see it very simplistically. It's never been like a dirty word to me, which I think it is for a lot of people. It's just about two human beings having an honest conversation and trying to figure out, you know, can my solution solve your problem. If it can, that's great. And if it can't, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. So Scott, let me ask you a little bit about alignment. So kind of thinking back into your career before you, like just when you first started getting into to, to selling anything, can you just talk to me about like how you, you know, what were some of your first sales jobs maybe um, even, you know, even as far back to being a kid, like what are, what are some, 
you know, your first memories of asking someone for something and um, needing to create maybe a change on the other side of the person that you're asking for? Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I grew up pretty poor uh, and I grew up pretty poor in an affluent town, which was a weird way to grow up. So I was always motivated. And I remember I, every year I'd have the opportunity to sell uh, wrapping paper. And there was all these prizes that you could win. And, and one was a tent. And I remember I was, you know, hell bent on, on achieving the goal to get the, uh, to get the tent. So I would go door to door selling wrapping paper, Christmas wrapping paper. And that was, you know, I don't know, I was young, eight, nine years old, something like that. And so, yeah, I've been selling probably since an early age. And then and as a professional, you know, started selling copiers, which is a, you know, super tough industry right out of college. But it was a great, great proving ground. And I learned a ton. Yeah. What do you like remember most about it? Like what was like the hardest part about it? It wasn't hard because what I realized is that if you worked hard, you would be successful. And, you know, I always say if it's on the back of your baseball card, it's not bragging. I won sales rep of the month, like probably almost every single month I worked there right off the bat. And I was just a kid. But... I worked so hard. I worked so much harder than everybody else. And I think because I was genuine, I was good at building relationships, uh, I was tenacious, I just did the work. So I had a good work ethic, I was dedicated, I was diligent, I was disciplined, and I was very resilient. So the rejection part didn't really bother me. And I was like, man, this is, this is actually kind of easy. And I saw it was funny when I started, I'll never forget this. I started work on a Monday right after I graduated from college. And on Friday, everybody in my office like huddled together, all the salespeople. And they were like, they were going to go to a bar. And I'm like, what? Like, don't. And, and they told me, yeah, we don't work on Fridays. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't work on Fridays? Yeah, we, we go and do something. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to make money. Um, <laughs> so, it was just a, such a foreign concept to me. So I, I realized right away that half the battle is just showing up. It's just putting in the work. And if you do and you're honest and you're trustworthy and people like you, it really wasn't that hard. Yeah, good things will happen. Yeah, it's funny. Well, you know what, like, can you think of people, because I, I, I look at you, Scott, like, and we'll talk about, you know, the Outlier Project and the amazing people you've connected to in your life. And I just feel like your network is like I said, well, I'm not exaggerating people when I say Scott is like a, the, the, the gold medalist for super connecting. I mean, the people that, uh, you know, we see month in and, 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 and week in and week out are some of, you know, they're gold medalists. They are CEOs. They're, they're people that you're just like, how did Scott, I, I feel like, you know, people are always like, how does Scott know these people is the feeling. And, and how is this, you know, not, 
you know, how aren't there not hundreds of people? And, you know, who knows? Maybe it gets to that point. But I'm 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 excited to be one of the early people kind of that involved in this. But, you know, tell me, like, were there are there mentors? Are there people you've you can point to throughout your life that, you know, wow, they they showed me something about you know, showing up differently. I feel like you said something on a podcast. It was on Amber Lee's podcast and it was about, you know, showing up differently. And it's like doing like just to that story, doing the different things that are different, right? It's like, you know, that the experience you create is different. I think it was something about like, you know, it's people think that showing up differently isn't scalable, but it's the unscalable things. I think you said that, you know, truly make us extraordinary. And, and, um, so tell me, are there people through your life that you can point to that, you know, weren't ordinary that you, that you took something from, or that you learned from who, who, who comes to mind when you think of those extraordinary people growing up? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're necessarily sales related, but I had an uncle, my uncle Ray was probably my hero. And to this day, I would say if you, you know, if you ask me who my hero is, it's my uncle Ray. He was an incredibly humble guy, unbelievably trustworthy, really, really smart. And I just loved how he walked through life uh, with a servant's mentality, completely humble. He owned a newspaper. Uh, which most people didn't even know he was the owner because he decided that he didn't really want to make that public. And, you know, he continued to kind of do his job uh, doing typesetting and stuff like that, even though he, he was one of the owners of the newspaper. And so I think he just taught me a lot about how to carry yourself. I, I had a, a mentor who was my uh, good friend's father, uh, who really kind of showed me what it meant to be a professional sales leader. His name is Ken Green. And, you know, I learned a, a lot from him about the the profession of sales because growing up, I didn't even really know, you know, oh, that's that's a job that you could do and, you know, what it was all about. And, you know, I think his honesty and his integrity is really what stood out because you kind of, maybe at that age have a preconceived notion that sales is more kind of that stereotypical used car salesman. And he elevated that profession in my mind and, and made me start to think, you know, maybe that's something that I'd want to do in the future. And then there's been many people, you know, uh, that I've learned from throughout the years that show up differently. Jesse Itzler is probably, you know, the best example of somebody who just shows up differently. But long before I met people like Jesse, I think I started experimenting with different things really in that first job out of college that I didn't see anybody else doing. But I'm like, I don't know, this seems like something that could work. And I wasn't afraid to try stuff. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But I, I was I was pretty creative. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear some some ideas or examples of, of things you've done. But, you know, I just what, what I took away from what you said was it's the accumulation of showing up differently. You know, I think, you know, showing up differently is a skill and it's not something you just do once and, oh, that was cool and that was a gimmick or that was just, uh, 
you know, let me try that and oh, it didn't work. So like, let me just move on. It's like you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm not, not afraid to, you know, show up differently to people. And that, that accumulates over time. Like as a kid, you were doing that. You were, you know, as your next role as a copier salesperson, you were showing up differently, just like that example you used the, the, the newspaper owner. I mean, that, per, what's more different than, you know, uh, an owner of anything, just doing the frontline work, you know, like no one expects to, to look over and they just expect to see the, you know, person at their same level, but that person knows that, they want to, you know, carve and define their own path. Right. So that is what I, that accumulation of showing up differently, I felt like is a skill that people don't maybe, you know, at least get intentional about honing or they, they um, are, 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 they're, they're un, unsure about how to, yeah. how to do it. You know? I mean, I've got a good example that kind of made a, a big impact on me early on in my sales career. So you know, I was selling copiers. Like you, 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 you can't get much lower on the rung than selling copiers. And so there was a, a local bank, Brantford Savings Bank, that was going out of business. So they were having an auction, and it listed everything that they were auctioning off. And they were auctioning off like three or four copiers. So I thought to myself, okay three or four people are going to walk away with those copiers, but there's going to be people that are bidding on the copiers that aren't going to get them. Ah. Those are all people that need a copier. So I made all of these flyers, hundreds of flyers with my business card attached to it. And I, I stuck them under every single windshield that was in the parking lot of the auction. So probably 150 or so. <laughs> so in the middle of the auction, the auctioneer stops the auction and he says, is Scott McGregor here? And I could tell by the tone of his voice, <laughs> he wasn't going to congratulate me. This wasn't a good thing. So oh, I'm no. like, I was standing next to actually a friend of mine, his father, uh, a, a buddy of mine that I played high school football with, Rob Spignesi. I was standing next to uh, Rob's dad. And so when the auctioneer said, is Scott McGregor here? He kind of tapped me and I looked at him <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. So anyway, this auctioneer freaks out. He says, listen, uh, hand billing, which I didn't, I didn't even know what hand billing means. I guess hand billing is what I did, putting stuff under people's windshields. He's like, you know, I don't know if he said it was illegal, but anyway, what I was doing was wrong, <laughs> and he freaked out. Uh, so I slink out of there, and lo and behold, there's a voicemail from the president of my company. I work for a company called MBS Business Systems, which later became Icon. And it was the president, Harry Moore. And it's a voicemail. And he says to me in a very short voicemail, call me. And I'm like, oh boy. Had you ever met him before? This is the president of the company? Or? I had met, okay. yes, I had met okay. him. Um, so I call him. And he said, Scott, I heard what happened today. And anyway, so he said, I just, and I'm like, 
oh, he's, I'm getting fired. <laughs> and he said, Scott, I just wanted to say congratulations. And he said, uh, you know, you're not afraid to do things that other people are probably not going to do. And that's going to take you a long way. And that encouragement that I got from Harry Moore, you know, whatever that was 30 years ago, you know, it stuck with me and it poured probably gas on the fire. Wow. And I continued to try to do different things. I remember going back to the office one night and one of our reps, his name was Mike Sagar. He was all bent out of shape because uh, the guy at Remington, Remington Razors, I don't know if you remember that company, yeah, yeah. but he's like, this purchasing guy is giving me such a hard time. This, this account is like, forget it. I, I don't even want to work on it anymore. And I said, you don't want it? I'll take it. And I said, why don't you call Victor Kayam? So Victor Kayam at the time owned the New England Patriots. And he bought Remington razors and he was very famous at the time because he made commercials that said, I love the company so much, I bought it. And so he was the owner of the Patriots. He was on TV all the time. And I said, why don't you call Victor Kayam? He's called Victor. He's like, call Victor Kayam about copiers? What are you crazy? And I said, well, can I have the account? And he goes, yeah, sure. And I, so we made a bet in the office uh, <laughs> that I could, that I, I said I could get Victor Kayam on the phone. And I did. Uh, I got him on the phone and he's like, who is this maniac uh, who's calling me? Cause I called way after hours and he happened to pick up his own phone. Cause I think his, his uh, oh administrator or gone left. for the day. Yeah. Long story short, I didn't get the deal, but he put me in the right direction and I wound up getting a meeting with their purchasing people. They didn't buy from me, but I think it just proved to me that all the things that people think are impossible or maybe not the way you're traditionally supposed to do it. Like you're not supposed to call the CEO of the company uh, especially when he's somebody famous who owns the Patriots. Um, but I was like, why not? That seems like the best avenue to, to uh, get success. So just all those things, they just made me understand that showing up differently was the path to success. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like you have so many of those and I love hearing. Thank you for telling the story. And, and the people you attract, I feel like, have all these stories because I know like so for, for all of you. So, you know, Scott, you know, yeah, while he has a career in sales, he then, you know, founded a company which, you know, who, you know, they, they're placing people in in sales roles they're placing people in all sorts of roles throughout the workplace but then on the side has this amazing community that i, I you know just to talk about one of the many hundreds that scott gave you one i'll give you one about scott but how i first even knew about scott and the name I get a letter from someone that Scott employed, Tabitha Cavanaugh, who was the number one, the first person, the first guest on this podcast. Um, she, We just got to know each other over LinkedIn. And she 
I get a, a letter from her out of the blue with, I, it's actually an envelope package. I'm like, my wife's like, who the hell is Tabitha Gavinal? Like, do you, are you like cheating on me or something? <laughs> like I open this up and she sends me Scott's book. So Scott's an author as well, four-time author of, you know, of, of life lessons. Scott's book of Standing O with like a handwritten note and I think like some people over everything stickers and just saying like, you know, I, I forget the note, something about like, you know, here's to someone who like, I think, you know, exemplifies people over everything, just really rooting for you, knew I was looking for her work and, you know, same sort of thing. Didn't, didn't place me. She was a place, she, she placed people, but we've had an amazing relationship. I've given stuff to her. She's given to me. We have a, a lifelong relationship and, and same thing with, you know, with you, Scott, I, I believe. So it's just those things that are different. It's not transactional. It's, it's rem- memorable, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I love that he he lit that fire on you to to kind of show up to be extraordinary really with whatever you do is, is what I got from that story. Well, talk to me if we pivot a little bit, Scott, to, to this community. So the, the 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 theme, the you know, just kind of the mantra of the community is I, I love it. It's you know, you know, anybody can be ordinary. We all we all can be ordinary, right? But, you know, we, we all have the power to choose to be extraordinary, right? Yeah. And you always say, like, you don't have to go to Harvard or be an NBA player in, NFL, in the NFL or be gifted with athletic skills. Like, that's great. Yes, people are born, you know, with some talents, but we, we can be extraordinary people without those things. So tell me, like, you know, um, what really, uh, like helped you define that for this community and why did you start this community let's let's go there like what what was it that you felt like this is something that's necessary and that i need to get out in the world because starting a community is not easy like managing it scheduling calls the logistics behind it's a business all in itself why did you start it and why that um, mantra for that this community yeah uh i started it because you know at the end of the day uh, i really feel like I want to make an impact uh, on the world and I'm not going to live forever. Uh, And when all is said and done, that dash between the dates, it has to be meaningful. I am paranoid uh, that I could potentially sleepwalk through life because I've seen a lot of people sleepwalk through life. And I, I absolutely refuse to do that. And, you know, the the feeling that I can impact people really drives me because at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about the books that I've written, the companies I've started, the house I live in, the car I drive. They're going to care about the impact I make. And while I think I make a big impact uh, by running my company, something new that I started nine years ago, I knew that's not an overly scalable business but a community I knew was incredibly scalable. I also knew that a community was a great platform to give people access to the friends that I've made over the years, because I've always thought, you know, it seems selfish that if I'm having a personal or professional problem, you know, I can pick up the phone and I can call 
Dick Vermeil, or I can call Jesse Itzler, or I can call Brandy Chastain, or I can call all these unbelievable people that I've forged really great friendships with throughout my life. And I'm like, I want to give people access to these folks as well. And, you know, that's what we do through the Outlier Project. I think one of the ways that everybody can live an extraordinary life is to surround themselves with people that are uh, unique and different and creative and doing extraordinary things. So I've always tried to surround myself with people that were 10 steps ahead of me. And that's really kind of how the Outlier Project became what it is. And it's, you know, it's it's been nothing but fun. It definitely does not feel like a job. It doesn't feel like business. It just feels like fun. Helping people to live their version of an extraordinary life is an incredible privilege. Um, and it's a blessing. And, and that's, you know, how I view it every single day. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's I, nothing short of amazing to me how you've carried yourself in a way that lends like that, that, you know, people feel and uh, like they want to kind of reciprocate or want to give you time back. Right. Like these are important people. Time's their greatest asset. Right. Like, you know, it's not nothing for someone to to give an hour. And and, you know, uh, you can, it's my understanding that a lot of these people are, are doing it because they they want to give back to you. You know, it's maybe not like these people get paid tens of thousands of dollars to get on stages sometimes to give presentations for an hour. And I don't believe they're giving you tens of thousands of dollars to or you're you're, you're not you're not paying <laughs> yeah they're you're they're you're not giving i'm not giving them a dollar, you're not giving them say. a dollar that's amazing yeah. to me so so tell me a little bit about i mean you, you know people must look at like i don't how do i even get uh close to what scott's doing so but i i feel like it's 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 things that we can all learn from so there was a time scott where i know like your network didn't just come with hundreds of people you didn't come you came you you say you came from a relatively modest family in a in a affluent you know community yeah so t talk to me about like how you kind of started building this network of of you know build big people and maybe the core philosophy or fundamentals of how you show up when you meet someone that you know, has like a huge audience that is hard to get access to. How do you show up? Because I'm sure you meet people just in very quick in encounters that are very important, very sought after people. But then we all do, some of us, we all do that. We all meet people sometimes, you know, maybe for a book signing or a, off of a stage a few minutes, but then that's it. And the relationship dies. How do you show up in a way that you get people to give you their time so willingly like they have? So I've always been super curious. I love to learn about people. Uh, I think people sense right away. I'm not looking for anything, uh, nothing. I'm not even looking for their time necessarily uh, to do something for my business or for the Outlier Project. I'm just legitimately curious. So um, all, almost all of these relationships predate the Outlier Project and I think when you show up genuinely and you don't view things, a lot of people just view things as very transactional. You'll meet somebody at a book signing, but then there's no follow-up and there's no support. 
and or people feel like, what can I possibly do for this New York Times bestselling author, this Olympic gold medalist, or this pro athlete, or this CEO, or this billionaire? There's always things you can do. So I think the reason why people are very gracious and generous with their time is that I have poured into them. And if you looked at the scales, I've given them way, way more than what they're giving me back. As much as I appreciate what they do in terms of giving giving back to me um, and pouring into our community, they're happy to do it because I've probably done quite a bit for them. And that can be strategic introductions, that can just be supporting any of their initiatives, but it's it's also understanding. I think I understood very early on that access is available and access to people that have influence is really important because the more access you have to people that are important and have influence, it just allows you to amplify what you want to do. And I want to do good things in the world. I want to give back. And my ability to do that is directly proportional to the relationships that I have. And I think, you know, so early friendships with people like Tiki Barber, who, you know, is an all-time great running back for the New York Giants, uh, that spawned many, many other relationships. And, And then it's just like a snowball going downhill because those people introduce you to other people because they're used to people taking advantage of them. They're used to people having an ulterior motive. And I think, you know, to use Tiki as an example, I think when he realized I had no ulterior motive, I thought he was an incredibly smart guy. I thought he was an unbelievable businessman. I obviously, you know, uh, was in awe of what he accomplished on the field as a, as a football player. But that friendship really spawned a lot of other friendships that kind of led me to develop more and more and more. And I have a strategy of how to do that. I call it Who's Your Oprah. Uh, that's a whole, that's probably a whole another podcast. But if you don't have a strategy uh, to develop high impact relationships, it's very hard to do it. Yeah. You know, if you could, and I think this is a little bit about, you know, what people like kind of miss, because like you said, like, you know, Building a network um, is selling in the fact that you're not you don't have a product you're you're pushing or maybe even, you know, value that you're, you're not you're, there's no money being uh, sometimes exchanged hands for a certain thing. Maybe you're there's money you're paying to get access to certain things. But I, I, I feel like, you know, you're you're like that strategy of of doing it in a way where there is no, you know, there is no motive. There is no like. I'm trying to get this person to be on a podcast or to join the outlier project or to lead like you're really just, you know, like like you said, pouring into them, supporting them, doing certain things. So maybe help people understand like like maybe someone like Jesse, like how do you start from like nothing to, you know, you know, like following up, giving feedback, you know, doing things in a way where that person starts to take notice that, oh, wow, this this Scott guy is continuously showing up. He's continuously adding value. Like, 
what are what are you know examples or things that you do to like maybe they're little things you do to like signify to someone oh wow they're not trying to take advantage of me or asking for anything that's that's what is so amazing to me you never you i think you once told me you're not flat out asking people to join or to be on an outlier project call you you rarely ever kind of say those words to people you may tell them about what you're doing and then they go oh can i can I be yeah. involved? They they ask you if you they can be involved. Yep. Is what I understand most most of what happens. So how you know help people understand maybe what you're doing? What are some things you're doing? You think that kind of signify to people that you truly are um, just giving to them. I mean, I do the I do the work first, uh, <laughs> which is. I do the research. I know everything about them, uh, everything I could possibly imagine. I know their birthday. I know their dogs, their pets' names. I know their kids' names. I know their spouse. I, I know all of that stuff. And I'm again, I'm not doing it to be manipulative. I'm doing it because I think they're a really interesting person that I'd love to forge a friendship with. And so... You know, if it's your birthday, you're going to get a video message from me. You're not going to get a text. You're not going to get an email. You're not going to get uh, you're, you're going to get a video message from me. You know, if you have a book, uh, I'm going to buy your book. I'm going to write a review on Amazon. I'm going to support you on your social media. I'm going to try to figure out, you know, what your goals are and who would be a good strategic introduction. You know, Jesse is a big speaker, and I got him on a stage at Hypergrowth, and he was the headliner. And, it, you know, that was helping two friends out. So David Cancel is the, you know, CEO and founder of Drift, um, which put on Hypergrowth. And I thought, I love David, David, uh, call him DC. Uh, and I'm like, I know this conference is super important to him. And what could I do that would benefit him? And I thought, boy, getting Jesse Itzler to headline Hypergrowth would be pretty cool. And I thought Jesse would probably like to do it as well. So, you know, I reached out to DC and I said, you know, do you want me to try to get Jesse? He was like, oh my God, if you could get Jesse, that'd be unbelievable. We wound up getting Jesse, uh, his wife, Sarah Blakely, uh, and I got Heather Monahan, uh, who wound up interviewing both of them on stage. And I also got him a Navy SEAL, uh, Todd Seneff, <laughs> to speak at Hypergrowth. So, you know, it's just appeasing all those different people. So Heather was happy. Sarah was happy. Jesse was happy. DC was happy. Uh, Todd Seneff was happy. It's... Uh, it's just trying to help people accomplish their goals. And if I can do that through the relationships that I have, um, that's what I want to do. It's awesome. You know, I feel like it's a long game that people aren't really willing to play. And, you know, like you, you don't meet someone saying, oh, like I know maybe like this, this opportunity or this thing that will lead to another thing that will lead to another thing. Like you can't, predict that that opportunity will come, but it's like you put yourself in the right position so that, you know, when opportunities present themselves, like you can take an advantage of it. And I it, think it's, you know, Alex, know. you right. hit, you just hit it on the head. It's the biggest mistake that people make with relationships 
what they do is they say, how am I going to monetize this relationship with Alex Smith? And if they can't figure out how they're going to monetize that relationship in the next 30, 60 or 90 days, they're probably not going to do a lot of investment to get to know Alex Smith. The way I look at it is Alex is a really interesting guy. I love your story. I love your podcast. I love everything about you. So why wouldn't I try to get to know you and develop a friendship with you? I never try to figure out, is there a monetary component to it? Because what I've realized my entire life is, again, I'm a kid who grew up very poor, but I've always wound up in these great spots. And when I wind up in these great spots, I say, how the hell did I get here? How am I in this room or doing this or accomplishing that? And I, I kind of reverse engineer it. And what I find is that it's not a straight line. It's a crazy circuitous path that took me to that moment. But had I said at that time, you know, how am I going to monetize this relationship? I have no idea. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I just like to hang out with really cool, interesting people and build friendships. Like to me, that's fun. Um, and variety is the spice of life. So I like it to be very eclectic. Like I'm not looking to have friendships with all chief financial officers. To me, that would be pretty boring and nothing against chief financial officers. But I would say like, I don't want friendships with all doctors or all lawyers. I like to have friendships with all kinds of people. Um, and that to me is interesting. And I think that's afforded me the opportunity to make really good strategic introductions to tons of people. It doesn't matter kind of what they're interested in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, uh, I, I can feel it too. When you, you know, ha when you have conversations with me or even in a group setting, like you're running a community, there's 30 or 40 people on a call and there's hundreds of people in the community, but I feel like everybody in the community feels like they know you personally. Like you're, you're shouting people out on LinkedIn, every new person that joins you're you know, you're, you're talking about them and, um, posting about them on LinkedIn. And, and so people feel close to you and, and yeah, like, it could be, I'm sure some people you're closer to than, than, than others, but everybody probably feels like I could go to Scott. Scott's approachable. I could, you know, even though he's, um, you know, you know, he has his own company, he's a busy guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, people feel like, um, you know, they can reach out to you. Right. And, and if they, if you, they did have something they, they needed, you could ask, they could reach out to you, but you know, it's, 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 you know, it's just really interesting to me that you don't have to necessarily ask, uh, for for things it's 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 beyond that transactional thing it's just you like you said the relationships predate the outlier project so when we see someone come on a lot of times it's because of someone you've known from years that maybe sure. made a strategic introduction or literally that person's just someone you've known for years they're super important and they've finally made their way and asked about it because they they their their friends are on it or they've they've seen what they're you're doing and they're they're offering to to help you 
because you've helped them yeah. so much, right? And this could be, and again, guys, these are these are people like, you know, like Jesse Itzler, who's you know founded companies. Uh, these these are people like um, you know Charlie Engel, who's you know r- r- you know done some amazing endurance races. That, you know, gold medalist winners. Um, we had Rudy on, who you know <laughs> literally was founded the movie Rudy, famous Notre Dame football player, and you know um, just uh, entrepreneur. And the list goes on. I mean, powerful CEOs, musicians. Um, you know, uh, Mace Curran, um, you know, who who's uh, f- like f- flew lead solo for the Thunderbirds. So all sorts of eclectic people. And, you know, I I, I, I can't suggest it enough. So um, you'll have the notes of the Outlier Project for, for anybody in there. And you can kind of see who he's connected to and meet some of these people who, again, I think the, the greatest power isn't just the people that speak to us. It's the relationships and the connections I, that are made as a result of this community um, of, of being next to each other. So um, we had Matt Higgins yeah. on yesterday and Matt, you know, was the uh, vice chairman of the Miami Dolphins. He runs RSE Ventures with Stephen Ross, who, you know, is worth, I think, seven point something billion, um, you know, just an amazing guy. And, and, and Matt uh, was asked a question by, uh, one of our members, and he said, would it be helpful if I was on your podcast? And she started crying um, because, I mean, he'll be the biggest guest she's ever had or probably ever will have on her podcast. And he said, not only that, but because she serves the military, he said, I'm also going to get you a high ranking uh, military officer uh, to come on the podcast, too. So Amazing. those are the types of things that happen um when it's you know more than just a transactional guest and she didn't have to ask i don't know like maybe she just made a statement or something she didn't offer he offered yeah so that's the thing when you surround yourself with people like this and you know scott I, i think you you view your network as the people in your network you want to connect them, you know, like as I, I don't say you're just a super connector to be trendy, like you're kind of always looking at ways to like, who can I connect in my network to make that strategic connection where both could benefit? And sometimes it could just be getting them together on a Zoom call. So you you truly view, I think if you if you sign up for this thing and you have access to a Zoom call, you 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 have access to these people no more than I do. I mean, I might have their cell phone numbers and I I've built a relationship with them, but so can you. Like I've built relationships with, you know, Susan McPherson, who's wrote, you know, uh, had best-selling um, books uh, about um, human connection, and she's been on the podcast. And I sometimes write back and forth. I've had. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've met Claude Silver and talked about you. I've, I've met Jesse the other last weekend. And while I don't know him as well as you, I, you know, I, I still kind of, you know, can talk uh, about knowing you. And, and so it all comes around. It's all cyclical in that way. So um, I, I don't think people look at their networks. It's, it's more so um, who do I know that can make an introduction? And then they ask for that introduction as opposed to um, who do I know well enough that I can pour into and maybe introduce them to other people. So I'm not... I'm not, it's not for me. It's, it's, it's literally for them. I'm, I'm trying to help them and it could be for something long-term for me, but it's really no, right. no agenda, no motive behind it other than I want to well, help strengthen my network to get to know 
to, to help them. Because right? I don't look at it as my network. I look at it as my friends. It's yeah. like, who are my friends? Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, some of them, you, you know, you're casual friends and some of them you're like bosom buddies, but it's who are my friends. Uh, and when you start to think about it that way, it's like, there's nothing I like to do more than help my friends. Um, and so I don't, I don't even view it as my network. Yeah. Uh, cause that's kind of like a business thing and it makes it seems more transactional and it makes it seem like something you want to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. I just view it as I, I got a short time here on earth. I want to hang out with cool, fun people. I want to have fun, cool and friends that do really amazing things. Cause that inspires me. It keeps me humble. It keeps me motivated. Um, so I view it as my friends, uh, versus my network. It's a great way to look at it. I, I think a lot of people don't view it that way. They, they go, well, I know my friends, I want to have a small group of friends, but you just look at like, if I know you and, and we, you know, have even the slightest relationship, like we're friends, like you have close friends and you have casual friends and, but sure. these are, but friends, what would you do for a friend is more powerful than maybe a business uh, connection, um, you know, if you're trying to get something out of it. So I like that, that frame of perspective of looking at it. Um, Scott, I could, I could certainly talk to you for so long. I, I think we, you know, learned a ton about, um, being extraordinary around our, um, friends circle, I'm going to say, not just our network. Um, but, um, you know, ending off the podcast, you know, I, I always say selling by being human is about, <clears throat> helping others get to know you and you're so like, you know, open and honest about kind of your, you know, backstory growing up and, and sharing yourself with everybody. Um, so I won't get too, too much into that here, but it's, this is just a fun story about you. So if I, if I asked Meg or some of your closest friends, um, what is just something that is so totally Scott, maybe it's something that could only or would only happen to you, or that just is something that only you do, um, what is, what is something that you, uh, what is something that they would tell me you think? You know, it's strange cause I'm kind of an introvert. I'm a little bit more of an introvert wow. than I am an extrovert. Uh, I'm, I'm technically like, I've had somebody tell me that's a lot smarter than me. I'm an ambivert, which is kind of like somebody who's in between, but I'm also like, I'm not afraid to do, uh, different things. So we, we literally just the, the thing that popped into my head is a discussion we had today uh, in a meeting we had with the Outlier Project. And, you know, uh, Kathy was talking about we all went to the Yale Harvard game and I dressed up. So our mascot is a platypus. So I dressed up in a platypus costume and we had special beer made uh, for the outlier project called people over everything beer. So I was walking around the tailgate, uh, at Yale Harvard in a platypus costume, handing out, uh, free beer to people. And, you know, I'm sure my wife was mortified. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty fun and funny, um, and enjoyed by myself. Uh, so, you know, those are the things that I think people that know me, because I'm, I am a little bit more reserved than maybe wow, people might think on a podcast. 
Uh, you wouldn't necessarily think I'm walking around in a platypus costume, uh, handing out beer, but that's definitely me. I love it. Tell people what, why the platypus, what is the, the meaning behind it? So the biggest outlier in the animal kingdom, I would say is a platypus. Uh, it's the most hard to describe animal. Uh, you know, it's a mammal that lays eggs. It has a duck's bill. It has venomous claws. It's, it's kind of the most unique animal. So the outlier project is all about people who show up differently, um, that are unique. Uh, so it's kind of a no brainer, uh, when we said, you know what, we need a mascot. Let's, uh, let, let's think about that. And it took about two seconds. We said, we're like platypus. That's it. I love it. That is really inception being an, uh, an outlier in life in an outlier costume of an outlier, you know? So, but that is a, a great story. Um, Scott, uh, you are truly one of my favorite outliers, the chief outlier. Um, but we all are, are taking after you, um, and ourselves and, and probably you learn so much from us and the people that you bring on to, to make us stronger. Um, where can people learn more about the outlier project, maybe show up differently and meet you? Um, what, where would you send them? Yeah. Uh, if you want to find out more about the outlier project, uh, you can either connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm happy if you say, Hey, I want to jump on a quick call and learn more about the outlier project. I'm happy to jump on a quick call and talk about it. If you want to go to a website, it's, uh, the outlierproject.co, uh, so not.com.co, uh, and you can get a, a better flavor, uh, for what it's all about. Um, but I'm easy to get to, especially through LinkedIn. That's the main platform that I use. I still have not mastered Instagram. I have no idea uh, how to build a huge audience on Instagram, but you could find me there too. But LinkedIn is the place to go. Nice. Well, all, all the stuff will, will be there for folks. Scott McGregor, thank you, my friend. And thank you for, um, you know, just uh, really... Um, putting out what you do into the world and, and encouraging what you do with, uh, with your mantra, people over everything and being, a, being extraordinary. You've taught me a, a great deal. So thank you so much for being on today. I, I cannot thank you enough, Alex. I mean that. Uh, I appreciate you as a friend uh, and I appreciate you as a, as a member of the community. Um, but this was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Same here. Thanks, Scott. I'll see you on the next call. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.